Tell me right now, are you one of those people who has seared into their brain specific dates of specific championships? Because if you are, you know what this is going to be about. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this game five of the Stanley Cup final will take place tonight in Las Vegas, Nevada. The white gloves guy will be there. The cup will be there. And you know what? I'm going to wait until this thing plays out before I offer a, a bit of a growing opinion that I have about the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup when the franchise is still so young. And they kind of paid their way into this elite expansion draft and all that other stuff. But last night marked, I want to make sure I get the number of years right. Well, mark the anniversary, if you're better at counting years than I am, of the 2016 championship for the Penguins in San Jose in Game 6. And the night before that marked the anniversary of the 2017 championship in Nashville, Tennessee, also in Game 6. I covered both of those. I'll never forget them, and I'll also never forget the feeling that I had in San Jose, never mind Nashville, that I needed to soak up every moment of covering an event like this, every moment of being out on the ice Interviewing these guys, interviewing their families, asking them how many body parts were broken, uh, getting some of the better post-game stories of my career, all, all in one long night. And I just, I vividly recall thinking, you might not get to do this again. You might not get to do this, just from a purely selfish perspective. Well, I'm going to share another story with you. We were up in Ottawa. This was February. Does that sound right for those of you who remember things like recent schedules? There was some snow on the ground and whatever. I'm not exactly narrowing it down when I talk about snow on the ground in Canada's capital. But we're up there, and before the game, I was sharing a a story with Evgeny Malkin. This was after the morning skate. Related to just something that I remembered from when we were up there for the Eastern Conference Final. Remember that year, 2017, when uh, ultimately Chris Kunitz needed to beat Greg Anderson in double overtime? Okay, that one. And I brought up some memories with Gino, and I, I'm doing all the talking, right? And he's listening. You could tell he's looking up, you know, whatever, he's unlacing his skates or whatever. And finally he goes, we need to do again. And he had a few other things to say and eventually started laughing about a couple scenes. But the first thing that came to his mind was that we, we have to do that again. That's the way he thinks. That's the way Sidney Crosby thinks. That's the way Chris Letang thinks. That's the way they've thought all along. That's why when you've seen... Those, whether it's videos or even the, the great still photos that were taken in particular in Nashville of Sid and Gino holding the cup together and Gino holding up the three fingers and everything and they're kissing it together. And it's, 
you could see that the enjoyment was just so far beyond, hey, we did this again. It was almost as if they had some kind of number or that they still have some kind of number in mind. But what's it going to take? Is it realistic or is it just them, you know, saying things because they need to be able to motivate themselves at a certain age to continue performing at the kind of level that we saw this past season? I can't know that. I'm not in their brains. I'm not in their hearts. But I do know from being around them as much as I have for as many years as I have that they do believe somewhere in there. That it's possible. And they're going to believe that even after the season that just unraveled. They're going to believe that even after missing the playoffs for the first time. Because they're not going to look at each other and say, wow, we have nothing left to offer here. They're not going to look at certain members of their supporting cast and say, man, those guys really let us down. Ideally, at least I hope this is true, they're going to understand what actually did happen, how badly, how grossly this team was mismanaged by Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. They're going to realize that they weren't going to go anywhere even if they made it because they had to depend on Tristan Jari, who is not dependable. They're going to realize that they were playing in a forward unit. Sid and Gino, in which their third and fourth lines were just killing time. And that was when they were at their best, as opposed to doing damage. And hopefully, and I say this only with an optimistic outlook for the purposes of this statement, they'll believe in Kyle Dubas and what he can bring to the equation and what he can bring quickly. Now, not to repeat the subject matter from yesterday's episode, but the quickest and most powerful way to achieve this is what? Right. Go get yourself Connor Ellibuck or get yourself any goaltender in some form that you perceive as having the capability to become a franchise goaltender. I'm making that sound as easy as shopping at Target, but it's not. It's not. It's going to be real work. It's going to require real sacrifice when it comes to the exchange, whether that's in cap space, whether that's in trade capital, whether it's in both. Just don't forget this factor. Don't forget that what's happening here with the Pittsburgh Penguins right now and for the next year, two year, maybe even beyond that, is that you need to do what's right to support these guys. They are still your key to winning that other cup. Do not try to convince yourself otherwise. They're not going to get another Sid, another Geno, and another Tanger for a long, long time, okay? They might never get another Sid. So the time remains now. When we come back, uh, no J1Q today. I'm going to do something uh, different in honor of my friend Stan Saverick. In lieu of a J1Q today, and this is going to apply to all three of this morning's daily shots, I want to share a few thoughts on Stan Saverin, who passed away last night at age 76. 
a lot of you will know I worked with Stan for a lot of years. What you won't know, and I'm going to share a story with you, just like everybody's going to have a story today. Whether you're a Steelers fan, Penguins fan, Pirates fan, a local college sports fan, Stan was all over everything, and he was everywhere, and he was accommodating to everyone. And I can take this back to my childhood, and I'm talking childhood here. My mother was, uh, my late mother was in the infancy of her own uh, radio career, building up a folk music show and a following at a tiny little station that I believe still exists, WIXZ AM in East McKeesport, little building on a corner there, uh, really distinct as you drive past it, but otherwise you wouldn't know it exists. And Stan was a young up and comer trying to build his brand in sports and doing quite well at it. No one's surprised, I'm sure now. And my mom would come in every Sunday and she would do her show right after Stan was done. And Stan was such a gentleman, so accommodating, so helpful. My mother was English was her second language. And that made such an impression on me, like larger than life, because I'm going to repeat, this is way before Stan became Stan. He didn't have to have some kind of impression on anybody, not, not my mom, not me, not any of the various people working in that small building. But that's exactly who he was. You can't fake it. You can't have it just kind of morph along the way. He was exactly that guy, working relentlessly and at the same time being kind and generous to others. You will hear so many different versions of this story in our city over the next few days as people remember what Stan meant, not just to the sports community, but to all of Pittsburgh. I watched him go from being that guy to being... Uh, the Stan and Guy love the show, co-hosts who made the old KBL sports beat, which was the only way a lot of us could see highlights or see interviews. Everything was done through that show or when Stan was on one of the various local uh, network affiliates. And each time it was with the same calm, level-headed and respectful demeanor. This doubly applied, I always felt, and this impressed me maybe as much as anything about his career, with the way he dealt with uh, talk show callers who, let's face it, okay, he wouldn't say this, and I do, are not necessarily always the cream of society. And he always found a way to make all of them seemingly feel equal. So whether it was... Uh, me getting interviewed on Stan's show, which we would set up from all different locations. I'd be traveling somewhere with the Penguins or the Pirates or whatever, and he'd have me on remotely. Or those really, I'm not going to lie to you, uncomfortable situations where uh, I would be filling in on someone else's radio show, and Stan was supposed to be the guest, and I'm interviewing Stan, and this just felt so wrong, right? <laughs> like, who am I to be interviewing this guy? Every time 
a piece of us passes, we're all the poorer for it. A piece of Pittsburgh has passed and stands sovereign. We're all the poorer for it. But as someone who believes in trying to to find the sunnier side of things in life, I also believe that our sports culture in this city and our culture overall got really classed up by the omnipresence of Stan Saverin in our little world. Deepest condolences from me to the members of the Saverin family. We'll have another show tomorrow.